And so today we come to that part of the Lord's Prayer that says, Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. How is that relevant to a coronavirus world? Well, there is a sense, isn't there, in which when we think of the word kingdom, we think of ourselves almost, because we all live in our own world. We all have those people. We all have those memories. We all have those places that are dear to us. And we talk about our world in that kind of term, a place that is deeply personal. At this time now, many of our worlds have been rocked. Some have been changed forever by this virus. It's no respecter of persons. But I'm talking this morning about a kingdom that speaks right into this situation. You see, Jesus prayed, your kingdom come, because he knew that as God's kingdom moves on earth, so it brings heavenly light and purpose into the darkest places. In the death and resurrection of Jesus, we find that heaven and earth dovetail together. A couple of weeks ago, I spoke about the phrase, Our Father, who art in heaven. And when I did that, I spoke about how we see pieces of heaven in a coronavirus world right now. Well, today we look at Mark chapter 1 and 14 and 15 to start with. Um, these are, are early words of Jesus in his ministry. Uh, and this is what it says. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. Here he is talking about a kingdom that is vastly different from the kingdom of those that his hearers recognised. You see, his hearers understood the kingdom as the kingdom of politics, which in their minds brought about the kingdom of power and fear. And we read, therefore, when we go on to the Christmas story uh, in Matthew chapter 2, we see these that Den and Den read to us earlier that um, the Magi came from the east of Jerusalem. They asked where he was born, the king of the Jews. And uh, we see in verse 3, when King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. Well, it was no wonder that he was disturbed because he saw that here was a real threat to his kingdom, to his power and to his rule. And we see that when that happened, so he became angry and he took out this violent retribution on all the young babies, the boy babies at that time. And we see that kind of principle of behaviour in communities and in countries when unrest, defensiveness and violence sprout up in the face of peacemaking and reasoned argument. I pray that our reactions may be that of people uh, who are in the kingdom that God wants us to be in. I pray that our reactions to those kind of people and, and issues that disrupt might always be kingdom of heaven reactions and not kingdom of Herod reactions. I don't know about you, but when I pray thy kingdom come, I'm praying and I'm acknowledging this is the kingdom that I'm a part of. I am in step with God's will and not my own or anyone else's. Isn't it interesting that when we say your kingdom come, we are almost declaring a separate or exclusive realm, one that seems as though it's not part of this world. And in one sense, that's true. 
Down through the ages, you see, the world has set up boundaries on the basis of sex and gender and race equality and inequality. We therefore have poverty and extravagant riches that shout out economic disparity that is not compassionate or just. This, friends, is Herod's kingdom. This is today's politics of power structures that so often keep the marginalised and the poor and the oppressed marginalised, poor and oppressed. So when a pandemic arrives, who's hit first? Who is hurt more? Is it the wealthy West? Or is it those, for example, in Indian shanty towns who live ten people to two rooms in a corrugated iron home where outside the sewage and sludge runs in gutters by the door. I've seen those pictures, and it's horrifying, and it's unjust. It's politics gone wrong. And it's just one example. Yet the kingdom of God welcomes those people at the bottom of the pile. Matthew 9 verse 10 says, As Jesus sat at dinner in the house, many tax collectors and sinners came and were sitting with him and his disciples. They had a divine meal ticket. And this is what God's kingdom looks like. You could have been a church member or a salvationist all your life, yet still feel comfortable, uncomfortable, I'm sorry, still feel uncomfortable when you read those words. The Beatitudes of Jesus are so much about God's kingdom for be, being for the poor in spirit, being for those who mourn, being for those who are persecuted, being for those who are insulted for his sake. The kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. One of the subjects that it's my privilege to teach at the training college every so often uh, on the officer's call, the, the, the subject is liberation theology. And this is a branch of theology that has its roots in the poverty of 1960s Latin America, where governments overlook the needs of the poor and rather address the needs of the educated rich. In other words, politics kept the wealthy wealthy and kept the poor poor. Liberation theology said that the individualism that created the rich was built on the backs of the poor. Put simply, the underdevelopment of poor countries is the byproduct of the overdevelopment of the rich countries. So what has this to do with coronavirus and God's kingdom? Well, if this wretched disease has done anything, it has highlighted that true heroes today are not wealthy business people, are not celebrities or multi-millionaire footballers and sports people, but it's those nurses. It's those doctors who earn a fraction of what the former earn. It's the man or woman who is in the intensive care unit with a mop in his or her hand and a bucket and cleaning underneath the bed of the COVID-19 patient. And you'll possibly find that that cleaner has another job to go to when they finish the hospital shift. Why? In order to either make ends meet or to send money to poor family in countries, second and third world countries, where the political system is unjust or corrupt. This is not the politics of the kingdom of heaven.
This is the politics of a world that cannot work its way out of the current make money, whatever the cost. The kingdom of heaven is a world where the phrase low value worker does not exist. Low skilled does not exist in the kingdom of heaven. And still in 2020, the Herodian lure of money, sex and power are prevalent. <clears throat> when Jesus was tempted to receive all the kingdoms of the world in exchange for worshipping ego, injustice and power, Jesus said, worship the Lord your God and serve only him. That is the kingdom talk. So when you pray your kingdom come, you're not praying for some fuzzy, wuzzy, floaty kingdom to descend from afar. Two weeks ago, I spoke about Stanley Howes calling that wish projection. It's in our minds. You're not praying that some hazy, golden, candy, flossy type city is going to approach out of the clouds. No, I'll tell you what you're praying for when you pray thy kingdom come. You are saying this. You're saying, come justice. Come justice for the poor. Come reconciliation of people and nations. You're saying, come healing of body, mind and spirit. You're saying, come all those attributes we find in the Beatitudes. You're saying, yes, come righteousness, peace and joy. You're saying, come kindness, come grace, come absolute truth and come Agape love. Someone once said, if he is not Lord of all, he is not Lord at all. God's will for earth is those things. Lord, may the heavenly expression of your will come on earth. Now you look at the book of Revelation and it pictures a just, righteous kingdom of heaven where there is no more rule, no more abuse of power and control. The kings of earth do not have that anymore. Absolute control and fear have gone. There will be no more tears in their eyes. If you've got time on your hands, read Revelation 18. There you see the earthly kingdom, you see Babylon, and then read on to Revelation 19, where you see the heavenly kingdom, those pictures that John gives to us. God's will shines from God's people, you and me. So we live this kingdom in this time. Again, back to Hawass, uh, who wrote uh, a book, a Christian book, about the ethical and right way to be, and he called it the peaceable kingdom. The heavenly kingdom comes to us when, by the power of the Holy Spirit, we live obediently by God's perfect pure will. That is the kingdom we pray into this world. And it has already started, even through the small things. Jesus likened the kingdom to a mustard seed that grows into the biggest tree of all. And this is the glorious kingdom we pray for. And of course, the eternal joy and wonder for us is this. We are heirs of that kingdom. We are heirs with Christ. St Paul in Romans says, we are fellow heirs through Christ's suffering. So to end with, we have a meal ticket. We have a ticket to sit and feast. 
We have a ticket to the heavenly banquet. We have a ticket to participate in that everlasting party. And friends, I simply say to you this morning, do not refuse the invitation. It will never be withdrawn from you. And come and worship with all God's people forever. At the start of the service, we heard uh, words reflecting Psalm 95. And here's verses 6 and 7, which say this this morning. Come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. For he is our God and we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. Lord, we pray that your kingdom will come, that your will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Friends, this is the true kingdom that we all long for. Let's be a part of it. Amen. Amen.